0: It's good to see you here at City this morning. And how about those Cavaliers? What we're doing as a church family is we are processing through a sermon series entitled Covered. Covered. It bears with it the concept of a God who covers us. God's protection, provision, guidance, conviction, lordship. All of these things come underneath that understanding of being covered. And early on in the summer, I would actually say in late spring, I was in Virginia Beach and I was walking and it was pouring down rain. I was actually going to meet another pastor, and I had an umbrella up in the midst of that torrential downpour. I was getting a little bit misty from the rain. I could smell the ocean, and I was kind of in the storm, but still protected, still covered. And I felt like God spoke to me and said, that's what I do for people in life. I cover them. We're not quarantined into some closet when we become a follower of Jesus. We're still kind of out in the elements, but in the midst of that, we are covered. And so what we've been doing is taking a look at the Older Testament and then moving into the Newer Testament each week. We took a look at the Garden of Eden where God covers Adam and Eve. We looked at the cloud in the wilderness where God covered Israel. We've looked at different concepts always ending in the Newer Testament We are going to conclude our time today by being covered through communion, the Lord's Supper. And my clear intention this morning is for us to move towards that with biblical understanding of a God who covers us. We're going to take a look this morning at the primary story of the Older Testament. There's an event that happens in the Older Testament That it's the pinnacle of God's activity with Israel. And the reason why you can tell this is from that moment on, the entire Older Testament looks back at that singular event and rehashes it and reworks it and takes note of it and references it. It's the key event. It's the pinnacle of the story. It's the central story of the Older Testament. And Jewish people to this very day look back at this event, and they reference it often. But before I go there, what I want us to do is take a moment and think about the key event of your life. What is the central event of the narrative of your story I hadn't planned on talking about this, but as I was backstage, I felt very compelled to come out and reference this. What is the primary event of your life from which the rest of your life takes its cues? For the people of God in the Older Testament, it's the event we're going to reference in the Older Testament. But what about your life? Oftentimes, the key event of our life can be negative. And what I want to say to you is this, unequivocally, I want to say this. Through Jesus Christ, that story can be redeemed. Your story can go from one that's tilting to the negative to where it can move in a clear trajectory to the positive because there's a God who loves us through Christ and your story can be redeemed, reworked, and rewritten. I believe that with all of my heart. Oftentimes here at City, we have what we call God stories and you're going to be hearing more and more of those. But I want you to listen whenever you hear those stories. Almost always, the story was going this way. And then someone opened up their heart to Jesus, and that story was rewritten and redeemed and used by God, and the story now has a total different trajectory. What is the main narrative of your life? What is the story of your life? Again, I didn't plan on saying this, But both of my parents had a story that was the center of their narrative of their lives. Both of them had been through the Great Depression. And all you had to do was follow my father around. And you knew that the Great Depression was the central narrative of his life. He told us stories about what it was like when he lost the mortgage for their house in Prince Rupert, British Columbia, Canada, and their mortgage payment was $15. Can you even imagine? You will spend that on a cheeseburger later on this week. But he lost it. And if you ever followed my father around, the narrative of his life was, how can we reuse things and save things? Have you ever met anyone like that? I have straightened more nails in my lifetime than a person should ever have to straighten. And I lived on a farm and we built barns. I have straightened more nails because my dad would say, that nail is still good. And I'd say, dad, this nail looks like a worm. Say, oh, no, no, you can straighten that. And we would straighten five-gallon buckets of nails. Look, there's a narrative that drives your life. There's a story. But God wants the center of that story to be Jesus. What we're going to discover this morning is there's an Older Testament story. And that Older Testament story is the central narrative of Israel even to this day. It's the central story. That story and the idea of being covered involves Moses, Israel, The exodus from slavery in Egypt to the promised land. Now that story's a 40-year-long story. But there's a central piece to that story that all Jewish people in the Older Testament and even the Newer Testament continually references. And it's an event that's found in Exodus chapter 12, verses 12 through 13. I'm going to invite you to read it on the screen. Here's what the Bible says. On that same night, God's speaking here, on that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. In other words, modern-day vernacular, those gods ain't nothing. Watch and see. And here's what God goes on to say. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. The context for this is simple. God has raised up a man by the name of Moses. He is utilizing Moses to lead his people out of bondage in Egypt towards the promised land, which we call Israel. God sends a series of plagues in the Older Testament in the book of Exodus, and they're kind of utilized by God to soften up the Egyptian leadership so they will let God's people go. Just so you know, every single plague correlates to an Egyptian god. Those plagues are not random. They are specific. The last plague is the one that we just read about. The last action. The last judgment. It's where the death angel of God will be dispatched by God. And that angel will kill the oldest child, male child, and the oldest animal of every flock in every field. But God says to his people, as he always does, when my judgment comes, I will always provide you a way out. Always. Every time God's judgment comes, there's a way out. It's God's grace and his mercy. And so what the people of Israel do? The Israelites respond to God's command. And they are covered from judgment by the blood of the lamb. Because what we didn't read earlier from Exodus is that God commanded every family to go out into the flocks and the fields and to bring in the perfect lamb and to slaughter it and to take the blood and to put it on the door frame of their home. When the death angel came to enter in, the death angel instead would pass over them. It's the Passover. You see, when you hear the narrative of God in the Older Testament, that event is the central story of God's interaction with humankind. As I've said repeatedly in this sermon, the Older Testament reflects back on it from that moment on, and so does the Newer Testament. Now, if you were to exit that event you would discover that Moses moves through that, leads the people into the wilderness, and as he's leading them into the wilderness, God and Moses have this unique relationship. It's powerful. Moses finds himself connected with a God in a very unique and powerful way. And what's amazing about this story is that in the midst of their connection with each other, is Moses is leading the people of God from bondage into God's promise. Moses has a very small request that's easy to miss as you read the book of Exodus. And his request is this. God, I want to see your face. I want to see your glory. Moses was so passionate for God, he wanted to see his face. And I have a simple question for my own life first, then yours. We live in a world that has so many passions for so many things. How's your passion for God? Do you really want to see him? Is there something inside you that says, I want to see Jesus active in my life? I want to see that Moses was there he had seen miracle after miracle but the miracles weren't enough he wants to see God's face and we read about that in Exodus chapter 33 verse 20 18 through 20 I'm going to ask that you would read it with me it says then Moses said show me your glory Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock, and when my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will, what does God say next? Cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand, and you will see my back, but my face you must not see. I'm going to be honest with you, that passage has always bothered me. Always bothered me. Because here what we discover in Scripture is this, is that God covers Moses with his own hand and protects him from himself. And the himself is not Moses. He is protecting Moses from God's self. The idea is, you have the ultimate leader in the Older Testament, and when he makes a request to see the face of God, God says no. For Moses, if you see my faith, you will become what we call a post-toasty. If you see God's face, you die. Can I be honest? That has always bothered me. Always. But here God does, close to what Moses wants. God's hand, which is always the sign of judgment, reaches out and covers Moses in a uniquely gentle fashion. And God's goodness walks by him, and the hand lifts, and Moses gets to see the back of God. God covers Moses. He protects him but Moses never sees God's face. I think there's some things that we have to understand as we exit the Older Testament and we move towards Jesus. We have to understand this, that the Passover meal, that the Passover meal is the annual reminder of the main event of Israel's story, You see, once the Israelite people sit down and they look back on that main event of their story of God's interaction with them, God brings out a command. And God says that every year, every Jewish person must sit down and remember the Passover with a meal. And every year they're to gather together and remember again by eating foods they are called and commanded by God to remind, as a constant annual reminder of the main event of Israel's story. Every year they're called to do this. And so what we discover is we're exiting the Older Testament and we're looking at that main event. There is a meal commanded by God at the highest event, the Passover celebration of the Jewish people. They would gather together every year and eat the meal. Here's what else we need to know as we exit the Older Testament and move towards Jesus. Moses never saw the face of God. And also know this, he never enters the promised land. As awesome as Moses was, as much as God covered Moses, Moses never sees God's face ever. Nor does he ever enter into the promised land God allows Moses to stand on a plateau just before he dies, and he looks over into the promised land, but he never enters in. Instead, there's a guy named Joshua. And Joshua Joshua is the one who leads Israel into the promised land. Moses doesn't, Joshua does. Where Moses stops where Moses can't make it happen, where Moses can't get Israel across the goal line, a guy named Joshua is raised up to take over where Moses was was unable to finish. Here's what you need to know. Here's what's important to understand, is that Joshua and the name of Jesus are the same name. Joshua means the Lord who saves. Jesus is literally the Greek translation of Yeshua, and Yeshua is the Hebrew pronunciation of the name Joshua. You see, Moses, as awesome as he was, never sees God's face. He never enters the promised land. God raises up Joshua, and Joshua accomplishes what Moses could not. And now you and I, are here this morning to worship jesus you see the Old testament is setting it up so that you and i have the opportunity to move beyond what moses was capable of doing and so the question is this morning how do we put feet to our faith The story that we've heard is the most important story of the Older Testament. It ends with Joshua completing what Moses could not do. And now the question is, how do we put feet to our faith? Well, here's what Jesus said in John. Jesus said this. How we put feet to our faith, how do we work this out? Here's what Jesus says. The work of God is this. To believe in the one that God has sent. In other words, when we look at that ancient story of God covering Israel, of God covering Moses, what you and I are called to do is look at that God and come to this realization, and it's this, that the same way God sent Joshua, God has sent Jesus. And the way that I put feet to my faith is to look at Jesus Christ and say, Oh my goodness, He is the one that will accomplish what Moses was unable to do. And here's another thing that we need to know as we put feet to our faith. Is that Jesus sits down with His disciples and he is celebrating the meal that every Jew is commanded by God to celebrate. Every year for over a thousand years, every single Jewish person is gathering every year on the same day, eating a meal to commemorate the pivotal story of the Jewish faith. And Jesus, as the rabbi, walks them through that ancient meal. And Then all of a sudden, he gets to this point. And the Bible says this, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus takes that ancient story That pivotal story of the Jewish faith, that story that announces God's interaction with Israel, the story that the entire Older Testament looks at and remembers. And Jesus, in the middle of that story, inserts himself. And he redeems the story. He rewrites the story. He puts himself in the center of the story, and he announces this, this is my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me. And then later on in that same meal Jesus took the cup. And after having blessed the cup he says this, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. You see what Jesus does is he takes the most famous story of the Old Testament That story that had covered Israel for thousands of years. And Jesus now says this. That story is now being rewritten in me. That story is no longer about a lamb in a field. It's now about the blood of the lamb, Jesus Christ, who has come into this world to save the entire world. I have a question. Are you covered? Am I covered? In the Older Testament, the blood covered Israel from God's judgment. God's hand reached out and covered Moses in the cleft of the rock. It covered him. Now here we are in the Newer Testament. And Jesus positions himself as the new Joshua, the one who accomplishes what Moses could not. Not only that, Jesus is also the Lamb who is sacrificed to cover us so that God's judgment would pass over us. The question has to be do you believe in the one that God has sent? Have you opened up your heart to him because he is the provision that covers us from the judgment of God? Not only does he do that, but he makes a way for you and me that all of us have the opportunity to step into the story of God and to experience it personally through Christ. As I mentioned at the outset of this sermon, the way that we will ultimately put feet to our faith today is we are going to take communion. We are going to hold the bread, which is the symbol of the body of Christ. We will hold the cup, which is the symbol of the blood of Christ. But before we do that, the Bible warns us and calls us to be a group of people who take a look at our lives and make sure that as we go to take communion, that we are covered through what Christ has done for us. What I'm going to ask that we would do as we prepare to take communion, if you came through the door and you were not served, I'm going to ask that you would raise your hand very high right now, signifying that you need the communion elements. While that is happening, I'm going to ask that the rest of us would close our eyes in God's presence. And as you close your eyes in God's presence, the question has to be, are we covered? Are we covered? Have I looked to the work of Jesus that has replaced that pivotal story of the Passover lamb? Have I looked to him to cover me through faith and what he has done in the shedding of his blood and the breaking of his body. If you have never said yes to Jesus, if your sin has never been covered, oh, you've tried to cover it up, but that has not worked. If you have never been covered by Christ, I'm going to lead us in a profound but simple prayer. And the prayer is a prayer that will allow you to step into God's story through Christ and find His covering over your life. The prayer goes something like this, and if you sense God is calling you to pray it for the first time, I want you to pray it quietly from the depths of your spirit by faith to God. And the prayer goes something like this, Jesus, I don't know everything that there is to know about who you are but what I do know is that I need you to cover me the story of my life the trajectory of my life needs to be redeemed and rewritten God I've been trying to cover it in my own strength but I recognize how that's not working so now I turn And I face you. And Jesus, I ask that through your grace and your mercy and through the shedding of your blood and the breaking of your body, you would cover me. You would cleanse me. And that, Jesus, you and what you've done for me would become the central, pivotal story of my life. That from this moment on, I can look at this moment and know that the story of my life is rewritten in you. And we pray these things. We ask for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We're going to spend some time in worship to worship Jesus. And so what I'm going to ask that you would do is you would stand with me as the worship team now leads us. hearts to be open to the present working of the spirit. Jesus has come as the new Joshua to cover us and to take us into the fullness of God. The Bible tells us that Jesus gathered with his disciples As Pastor Pastor Keith loves to say, that was Jesus' life group, and it was. Jesus gathered with his life group those people that he was living a transparent life with, that group where each one of them were sharing their story and watching God redeem their story. As Jesus met with his life group, eternally rewrote the story of the exodus of egypt and he placed himself at the center of it because of that he covers us and the bible tells us that jesus took bread and he broke it and he gave thanks and he said this is my body is broken for you go ahead and take out your bread and let's hold it up before the Lord Jesus thank you thank you for leading us and carrying us across the finish line of faith Jesus thank you for your broken body which was broken for us You who are the true Lamb of God who takes away my sin and the sin of the entire world. Jesus, thank you. Let's partake together. The Bible tells us in the same way after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you it's no longer the blood of a lamb from a field in Egypt it's now the blood of Christ that covers us and gives us the power to have a rewritten story let's hold the cup up before the Lord Jesus thank you so much for your shed blood that covers us thank you. We can trust in this with all of our eternities knowing that what you have done covers us completely through faith in you. Let's drink the cup. The Bible teaches us that Moses never sees God face to face. And as I was clear, that has always bothered me. But there's one verse that's easy to miss. It's in the very last chapter of the Bible. And it's a verse that speaks about Jesus and what he has done for us. how he is the center of all things in heaven. And here's the verse from Revelation 22.4. It says this, And they shall all see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. The Bible ends with Moses finally seeing the face of God. And so will you and so will I because of what Jesus has done for us and now may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you may he cause his face to turn towards you may he cover you with his peace in Jesus name we pray and everyone says amen And amen. God bless you. Please join the reception for Stephen. Amen.